Screw it, screw it. We're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Just point at me whenever you're ready. Okay, I just pointed at you and we are going. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. I'm your host, Kevin Hines, alongside your other host... Will Hines. Yeah, that's it. Two hosts with the same last name. Because we are... Brothers. Correct. And we are recording from a rare next-to-each-other circumstances. Normally, we're on opposite coasts, but Will happens to be on the East Coast, so we're in my kitchen yep. recording an episode. So this is going to sound a little bit more East Coast, this episode. It's not. I'm not going to have my normal laid-back California You vibe. already seem more stressed out. Shut up! You've already <laughs> uh, bought some stocks. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. on the phone with Merrill Lynch while we're recording this podcast, trying to close a deal. I, halfway through this, I got to go catch a Broadway play. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, that's not the only thing that's different about this episode. Yes, this is one of our breaking the formats. Because normally what we do is we talk about Spider-Man. Right, just the two of us and just talking about Spider-Man. We've broken that now three episodes in a row. Yep, that's right. And uh, And normally what we do is we go over the original... Issues of Spider-Man, the original 1960s comic book that were done by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee, the original like 40 or so issues that they did. Right, and most every episode of this you'll listen to, we're covering one of those issues. That's right, but that's not happening today. No, Um, I read the latest issue of Amazing Spider-Man, issue 801, and I immediately dubbed it an instant classic. It is an instant classic, and it merits an emergency episode. Yeah, and so I made Will read it, and then... Also that week, uh, the Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man Annual came out, and that's also a very good story. Very strong. And so we decided we're going to cover those two stories today, and then we'll go back to Ditko and Lee next week. I think we were up to issue 25 or 26. We did 25 two weeks ago. No, uh, last week. Yeah, yeah. So we were up to to issue 26 of The Amazing Spider-Man, which came out like whenever in 1965 or something. If you want to hear about the Crime Master versus the Green Goblin. That's next week. That's next week. Sorry you tuned in. But um, instead of if you're doing, a big Crime Master fan, if you, yeah, you've been holding out for like the original. If you're if you're into Crime Master continuity, yeah, he's your he's your number one guy. Yeah. Does he ever appear again? I mean, he's in a few issues here. I don't know beyond that. <laughs> I'll do research before. You never know with Marvel. It could be like somebody was in one issue in the '60s, and then they get like a five issue dark gritty miniseries in the '90s. Or something. I mean, he's in Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> he's the guy who helps out Thanos with the gangs. <laughs> um, so instead of doing issue 26, we're going to do 801 and the Peter Parker annual because they're instant classics and it's an emergency episode and we had to talk about it. Yeah. And I really think 801 is a classic. I think this will last. It's interesting because it's, um, it's the final issue of uh, writer Dan Slott who's had a very long run. Yeah, he's written like – 300 issues or something crazy like that. Is that really how many? He's been on the title for like 10 years and it's come out multiple times a month. Wow. He's done a tremendous number of Spider-Man stories. So is he the highest volume of Yes, for sure he is. Wow. written more Spider-Man comics than anyone. Even though Stan Lee and Steve Ditko would be the... You would have to consider them the authority since they created the character. Yes. Slot might be number two. He's got volume on his side of nothing else. Yeah. Uh, he's I mean, definitely, he, he spent more time thinking about stories for this guy. Yeah, and he's running Spider-Man during the Marvel movie age, too, which counts for something. It's a modern storytelling yeah. world, and he is right up there doing – that's when he's doing Spider-Man. Uh, and his big storyline ended with issue 800, but he asked to do one more issue, mm-hmm. uh, sort of a coda to his entire run. Yeah. Sort of not really connected to any of the storylines that he covered. Um, and that's this issue. It's 801. And then the next – issue that comes out is going to be a new number one issue 
by Nick Spencer and uh, Corey. Uh, why am I blanking on this guy's last name? Because it's a podcast and you're never supposed to get all your facts yeah. right. That's what I've learned. Yeah. So you're just being faithful to the medium. The artist from Invincible, who's a great artist, and I deserve he deserves to have his name remembered, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> and they're taking over The Amazing Spider-Man. But this is Dan Slott's last issue. He did it with Marcos Martin. If you haven't read it, you got to read it. Read it before this podcast. Stop listening to this podcast. Go get Amazing um, Spider-Man 801 and read it. We'll talk the, about it in general at first, but then we're going to just... We're going to spoil the crap out of it. Yeah. So and listen to it. And before, go, we go even, get that comment. before we even get into that issue more, let's... And the other one we're going to do... You've said it a little bit, but just... It's Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man Annual. Uh, so this is Chip Zartsky, who was a uh, friend guess, of the podcast. Friend, FOP. Um, and uh, he worked with Mike Allred, who is a... Comics legend. Yep. Chip Zdarsky is like sort of a kind of a scumbag new guy. <laughs> but Allred is a, a legend. Zdarsky sort of forced his way in. And you felt like you had to do an opposite of legend and, it's, and right. it's a scumbag? Yeah. <laughs> I think Chip Zdarsky, he's got something on somebody clearly. He, he probably doesn't even want to do comic books. It's like it's a whole thing. He's trying, trying to break them from the inside. But Allred's so good. That uh, <laughs> combined, they made a very good comic still. Somehow, yeah. No, it's a great, it's a great story. Yeah, and it's a J. Jonah Jameson specific, and we're big fans of that character. So we'll go. We're going to go over Dan Slott's issue eight hundred one, and I think that is a very good story. Instant classic might be tougher to pin on that one, but I do think it's a it's great J. Jonah story. story. And then we're going to go over the Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider Man annual. Yeah. Okay. So you can also buy that while you're buying. Amazing Spider-Man 801. Yep. Because we're going to spoil both of them. We're going to spoil both of them a lot. We're going to yeah. spoil the crap out of them. Uh, but if you only want to buy one of them, you can just listen to the first half or the second half of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, the second <laughs> half will be a little trickier. Trickier to manage. You, but you, you can figure it out. But we're I mean, all modern. We're all tech savvy. Hey, do what you need to do to save money. So, 801. All right, so let's do the first of these two. We're going to do Amazing Spider-Man 801. Now, what I think is interesting about many things are interesting about it. It's his last issue. That's right. Of his run. Maybe he'll do other stuff, but like his last issue of his regular run. Yes. And it's so awesome. And I think it's so hard to like stick the landing on like a final issue or final episode. Like how many great TV series don't have a great last episode? This has got to be a story he had at least roughly in his head for a while that he saved for this moment because it's sort of evergreen. Yeah, it's that a, he knows he could have done it any time. And it would have been great if he released it 100 issues ago. Yeah, it doesn't really deal with the continuity of anything that's going on. Yeah. Um, and it is and it's it is really good that it's 801 and not 800 because it's a small, sweet story as opposed to a high-stakes cosmic battle. Yeah, issue 800 involved Spider-Man fighting Green Goblin, who was using the Carnage symbiote to make himself the Red Goblin. <laughs> Venom was involved. Uh, Flash Thompson was in it. Status quos were changed. Yeah. For those big issues, like 800, like the yeah. ones on the hundreds, you know, whatever, or your anniversary issues, you're expecting like a sort of grand spectacle. And I think a lot of those 100 issues, I don't hold up that high. I really like Spectacular Spider-Man 200. But a lot of the other big 100 anniversaries... For Spider-Man, at least, don't they're not super memorable. Well, it's funny beyond like uh, the spectacle of them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a movie with lots of flash, but it's hard to get a lot of substance. Maybe I mean Spider-Man. It's funny we're talking about it because Amazing Spider-Man One Hundred, the original, you know, hitting the big one hundred was when Spidey gets six arms. Right? Was that one hundred? <laughs> what a terrible story! At some point, like. Yeah. I think it was, but there is some story where Peter Parker like drinks some potion or something and amplifies 
his spiderness so that he grows six arms so that he has eight legs just like a spider. Yeah, I mean, counting his legs or whatever. That's a terrible story. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of legendary as like it sort of like doesn't fit in with the Spider-Man stuff. Yeah, it was adapted into the uh, the Fox Spider-Man cartoon. Did that storyline? Oh, really? And I remember thinking like you're just doing the memorable ones, not the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah, this is memorable because it was like so insane. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like. That's an example of something, well, you really pulled out all the stops for your issue 100, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good, although there have been good. Yeah. Um, so this would be hard. This would be a harder sell to the masses because it would just be sort of like, eh, let's see the effect Spider-Man has on people. For the eight, if, that, if that, yeah. 801 was 800? Yeah. Yes, that's why kind of I think he did it perfectly. Like, code is the right word. Like, 800 was the sort of, like, bombastic climax, and then 801 is, like, a little afterward. And he brought in artist Marcos Martin, who is just a tremendously amazing artist. He's done a, uh, a handful of stories on Spider-Man uh, during Dan Slott's tenure, not always written by uh, Dan Slott, but during that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also works with Brian Vaughn a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did um, Private Eye, which I bought you as a Christmas gift one year. Oh, yeah. This is by the same artist, Marcus oh, Martin. I like Private Eye. Uh, he also did Barrier, uh, which is another Marcus Martin, Brian Vaughn story that oh. just, I think, wrapped up pretty recently. Uh, and they're both great stories. Marcus Martin, Marcos Martin is just an amazing storyteller and a beautiful artist. Okay. And Dan I agree Slott, that he's good. I think, is happy. I've got to imagine that Marcos agreed yeah. to do this story with him. And I bet Marcos was happy, too, because it... It's just a good story. You want to be associated with it. So let's say, so what is the story? So this story, uh, like if I'm looking it up on TV Guide. How would I, uh, the the pitch would be, it's about, so Spider-Man saves somebody's life in his first like few weeks. Of being a superhero. Of being a superhero. And it's that guy's story. Yeah. It's a story of like somebody he just saved. Somebody who would have died. And he saved this guy's life. So we see what life that guy has. Yeah. And it's, they tell his life pretty quickly. Um, but uh, there's a message behind it, and it's really beautiful and sweet. Right. Um, yeah, you, you, when you were telling me about this issue, you, you were saying how maybe just the the bare premise of the story doesn't seem so special. You could imagine a version of this that's maybe could be forgettable. It could just be sort of by the numbers, like what you just said to me. Yeah. Showing a storyline that sort of hits on Spider-Man's origin – and shows how important he is. Those two things. It's like, yeah, it's been that's, that sounds like a classic. Uh, that's true of a lot of the classic stories. But then, why aren't every? Why isn't every story great? And this, and it takes a little bit of storytelling skill, I think, to pull that off. Right. <clears throat> so then, the first page is also pretty cool because it's just sort of a. I think recapping origins is an interesting thing for superheroes. People are always trying to find different ways to do it. Yeah. I don't know if you saw Grant Morrison's three panel origin for Superman. No. It's like, uh, it's, it's the first page of all-star Superman. It's like doomed planet, uh, kindly couple, uh, hero or something like that. I forget what the third one is. Okay. It's just three panels. It shows like Krypton exploding, uh, the Kent's, the Kent's finding, finding him and then him in costume at the, uh, at, on top of the planet. Yeah. It's like, that's all you need to know. <laughs> and it's true. You're looking at it like, yeah, that's it. I remember when I was really into Frank Miller's uh, Daredevil in the early 80s, every issue, like on the first two pages, he would have to summarize, that's me, Matt Murdock, blind, but my senses are heightened from having run across some radioactive material. And I also, I fight crime and I'm a lawyer. Like he was like, yeah. I have to get it in in case it was the first issue you'd ever read of Daredevil. Well, I lied. It was four panels. Okay. Doomed planet. 
desperate scientist, last hope, kindly couple. I guess that's it. So that's not, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the origin. That's the first page of All-Star That's Superman. the heart of Superman. Uh, yeah. So what we have here in Dan Slott's in the first page, he summarizes the origin of Spider-Man. And it's, so it both lets you in on what you need to know to enjoy yeah. this story. And it's also just kind of, since most people who've read it probably know it, it, it's kind of like an artful way to sum it up. And Because um, it's going through it so fast. He's also using, the artist is picking very signature details from Amazing Fantasy 15. Yeah, if it's done in a point of view, so it's as if you're Spider-Man. So it's like you see like the camera is seeing from Spider-Man's eyes. You see like the Peter's arms or Spider-Man's arms. Yeah. Uh, but these are exact quotes from Amazing Fantasy 15. I gotta yeah. imagine Dan Slott uh, knows what he's doing and he picks them. Like they're not necessarily the most memorable lines, but I read them. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yep, for sure. I liked it when it's recapping the moment that Spider-Man was an entertainer before he decided to become a superhero, it shows him using his webbing to extinguish a candle, which, which is something we, we made fun of. We talked we were, about cause it's shown like two or three times. It's like, God, yeah. he was really into putting out candles. And Dan Slott's like, I agree. It's gotta be in there. Or Dan Slott listened to our podcast. Dan Slott, big listener. <laughs> He's sort of somewhere between Chip Zartsky and Mike Holland. <laughs> From the scumbag to legend Somewhere between scale. scumbag and legend. That's right. Um, but yeah, it just sort of retells the origin. You've heard it a million times. Uh, he lets a criminal get away. That criminal kills his uncle Ben. Yeah. He vows to be a superhero. Right. He v- vows to use his power wisely and save people. So, but then with then with this, um, that's the first page. But then this comic kind of takes a left turn, and we see uh, we 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 shift our point of view to this man that Spidey's life is about to save. Yeah, this man whose life Spidey is about to save. Yeah, and this man is like at work. He gets a call. Uh, you have to be here. We need you right now. So we don't know for what, but he's running to something urgent. He races out the door. He stops to get a pack of cigarettes, and there's a burglar in there. Or a, a holdup going on. A holdup. And there's a guy with a gun who's holding the cashier, and now this dude is mixed up in an armed robbery, and the burglar has got his gun on both of them. And so now this dude's life's in danger. Yeah. Just because he wanted some cigarettes. He's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. And Spider-Man bursts in and saves the day. And it's a great little story of him saving the day, too. Just even this, even if this was the whole story, just him saving this guy at the convenience store, I would have loved it. Spider-Man um, is He is so funny. funny. Dan Slott's Spider-Man is a truly funny person. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man is funny. He, like, pulls the people to safety first. Like, he's a hero first. Stop the criminal second. Um, uh. I mean, Spidey's function in the stories, he's not the center of this story. You know, our, our story is about this guy. Do we find out the guy's name? Uh, I think we do it some. I think we do it. Yes, we do at the last page. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Can I say what it is now? It's not a spoiler of any kind. I think it is. You think it is? I think it is. Okay, okay. I mean, it, it's sort of. It hits a little bit because of what the name is. Anyway, we'll talk about it when we get to okay, it. I, I said you can't say his name. Okay. But it also sort of is the origin of him using friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Because um, somebody recognizes him from TV. Or no, somebody says, you're Spider-Man. Are you going to eat this guy then? And he's yeah. like, no, 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 I'm not that kind of Spider-Man. I'm a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And he leaves it in a note. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that's sort of like the first like five or six pages of the story just ends with like Spider-Man catching this guy. Then we follow this guy to where he's going. We see the rest of his life, basically. Right. And the first thing we see is what he was rushing to, which is his father was about to die. Yeah. And, and he makes it. He makes it. In time just to see his dad before his dad passes away. Yeah. So uh, you feel like this is a story where you've just missed it. 
Right. But it doesn't. He gets there just in time. He gets to see his, his father die. And he's there. He gets to say goodbye. Yes. Um, and then uh, it's something like his girlfriend or fiance or wife, we don't know, the, the woman who either is his wife or is going to become his wife says to him, He's like, I almost missed it. And she says, well, you made it here. That's all that matters. Right. Like, you're here. You did it. Yep. You can let go of the fact that you almost missed it. Yes. And, uh, then, and then this is the coolest page, I think. Um, it does his whole life. Like, just like we saw Spidey's origin in one compacted page. Yeah. We see this dude's life in one page. And, like, just the, the choice of details in the dialogue and the drawing. And it's all these, like, horizontal panels. It's, um... Great. It's like so striking and moving. Yeah, we see him at a birth. We see him at Thanksgiving. We see him... Getting older in each one. Uh, with a child at detention. We see him as that a child at a science fair. We mm -hmm. see him at graduation. We see him with his girlfriend slash wife. At his 40th. At the 40th. And he's sort of... He's happy in all these photos. He's like living... He's living and, the great moments of life. And there's little, there's little arcs in it too. Um, like the the kid he's helping a kid with algebra oh, a he's his son has skipped school in one panel because yes. he doesn't get algebra but then two panels later he's winning a science fair right uh, no his a girl is winning science oh, fair oh judy's winning three the science panels fair. later though that boy is graduating so he uh, and he's like he, he's i'm so proud of you carl well i had some help he's like no you did the work he's like giving so we see that this guy was like a great dad he's got a good relationship with his son not his son oh you, who is you, it? you I, so who is it we don't know it seems like it's his son, but it's not. Oh. Um, it's revealed at the end that that's his nephew and his niece. Oh, 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 oh. In this last panel where he's celebrating his birthday, they're not around. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's his sister's kids. Mm-mm-mm. Um, like, uh, if you look in the second panel, this guy and her. Oh, I see, kids. I see, I see. Okay, okay. You don't know that. It sort of implies that it's his kids, but it's revealed... Shortly thereafter, and when we get to present day, that it's not his kids because his name is Ken. So he's their Uncle Ken. Am I supposed to know that is? No, but it rhymes with Uncle Ben. Oh. So the last line sort of hits really hard. Oh, I see. I see. I didn't get that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, cuts to present day. Spider-Man is fighting some modern day villain, Mr. Negative, I believe. Uh, or maybe not. And maybe it's just some of his criminals, uh, some Chinatown lightsaber-wielding criminals. Right. Um, and Spider-Man's taking them down easily. One of the guys is going to get away. And somebody trips and puts his foot out, trips the guy, doesn't let him get away. Just what Peter did not do. Yes, the exact, uh, the exact thing that is said to him. He could have just tripped him or something. So somebody trips this guy. Spider-Man goes and thanks him. Thank you for tripping him. Because yeah. Spider-Man knows, like, you don't always do that. Right. Uh, and the guy goes, call it even. Years ago, on what should have been the worst night of my life, on my worst night, you saved my life. Mm. Uh, and Spider-Man goes, I don't remember you. Right, right. Uh, he's embarrassed by it. Uh, and uh, the guy says something cryptic about, you got me to quit smoking. Spider-Man goes, okay, well, see you around, and flies off yeah. to do his Spider-Man business. Right. Um, and then this guy goes and talks to his... This girl mm -hmm. that we saw win the science fair earlier, and she's sort of bummed because she's like, I finally saw a superhero, and it's Spider-Man. Lame one to her. Yeah, and why is he lame? Because the Avengers are cooler. They save the world. Right. Uh, and this guy says, uh, Spider-Man does that too. 
And she doesn't sort of believe it. And he goes, yep, he saves a world every single day. And then there's this great two-page splash where he just uh, – should I pull it up and just – sure, yeah. Um, it shows him saving lives. It's like every single person's lives he saves is basically a world. He's saving their world. And he says, I save people, their best friends. He says, they're someone's girlfriend, someone's husband, someone's mom, someone's uncle. Right. So each of these little snapshots, it's Spidey fighting some like iconic villain. But yes. for the purposes of this story, we're focusing on the innocent bystanders who are getting saved. Yeah. So instead of saying the He's, rhino, electro, vulture, yeah. it's like... It's not about him stopping the vulture. It's about him saving somebody's mother. Right. Uh, and he goes, save someone's uncle. And she goes, oh, they're uncles? He's like, yeah, every day Spider-Man saves someone's uncle. Uh, and and uh, so he goes, all right, I guess he's okay. Come on, Uncle Ken. Uh, you coming or what? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Spider-Man saved someone's Uncle Ken. It's, yeah. So he, he lost his Uncle Ben. But he saved somebody else's Uncle Ben. Every day. Um, and then the last line is, uh, I'll always be here for you. And it's Oof, great. It's good. It's a good last line. <laughs> Um, it's so good. And this shot of Spidey swinging up is really beautiful. Marcus Martin is just draws beautiful, uh, images. And he also is great with just negative space because it's mostly Spider-Man in blue sky with a couple water towers with classic Ditko water towers. And it just looks great. And it's such Man, a the cool... color. Color is so much better in comics these days. Like the gradation of the sky is so beautiful in this, in this last panel. Like that wasn't even available. For yeah. A long time. And then these stories are written knowing they're going to be colored that way. So I think they really use it versus yeah. like when they put that on old stories, it looks wrong and off. Yeah. Uh, but here it's, it was meant to be. Uh, yeah. It's just this great story. The idea that, because Spider-Man nowadays, like he's on the Avengers or, sure, yeah. He does save the world. Right. He gets into some... He's just as big as Iron Man and Captain America and all those guys. So sort of the pretense of that is not true, though. He started as sort of the street-level hero. The Fantastic Four traveled in different dimensions. Spider-Man... Go after a guy with a bag of money. Yeah. Uh, And it's basically saying, like, that's just as important, if not more important. Mm -hmm. More important to the person he saves. Uh, Which is the whole point of this, right? Because he became a superhero because he didn't save one person. His Uncle Ben. Like, Uncle Ben's death didn't affect the world. Right. But it affected Peter Parker's world. Yeah. And so that's what the story is saying. It's like, yeah, every person he saves. And it's, it's great. really great. It's per, it's a little pitch perfect. It's like uh, a kid who collects Spider-Man. It really is. Um, and I think Dan Slott put together, this is probably the best story he's written for Spider-Man. And he, as we said, he, read, he wrote, I think, like 300 issues. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's great. It's a great story, and it was his last one. Oof, what a good one to go out on. I wonder if he knew it was going to come out that well. I mean, he's done so many. I wonder if he's like, this, I got a good one here. I got one. I kind of think he did, right? I think yeah. you know when you've got something that's like better than most. And I mean, he probably doesn't know how well it's going to be received, and I don't even know how well it's going to be received at the end of the day, but... yeah. I think he knew it's like this is I like this story. I think Dan Slott loves this story. Um, it's a great one. You gotta read it. If you're a fan of the Spidey comics, it's a must. It's a must. Yeah. And it's out now, right? Yeah, it just came out um two weeks ago. Instant I classic. Guess, when you're hearing this. If you're hearing this on the day we publish pu- publish it, it came out like two weeks ago. Nice. So mid June. Um 
so let's move on to our second um, yeah. second story. The next one, um, we have. A, this is also a great story. Yeah, um, it is. Um, it's by Chip Zartsky, and even though we were jokingly calling him a scumbag, we love Chip Zartsky, and he's yeah. uh, Chip Zartsky's great. He's um, and you know, and one, even though Spidey is very funny in the Dan Slot story, that's obviously not the point of the Dan Slot to show yes. Spidey's humor. He's very funny in this issue. Yes, Chip's Chip's Spider Man is like truly, yeah, Chip like a hilarious, is a very person. funny writer. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's writing J. Jonah Jameson, who's a funny character, and Spider Man, who's a funny character. Yeah, and he's writing them funny. Yeah, and now they're friends, and this, you know, after decades and decades of yes. being enemies because Jay Jonah was unfairly persecuting Spider Man, yeah, they have in recent months or years become friends. Yeah, I would say months. And okay. in a very recent Chip story that came out within a within six months ago, I would say like uh, Spider Man revealed to Jay Jonah Jameson that he was Peter Parker, and it made Jay Jonah that combined with a couple other things makes Jay Jonah want to help. Peter. He wants to help Spider-Man make up for all the wrong he's done over the years. Yeah. Because he has, you know, made the city hate Spider-Man. So he's trying to undo the damage and make Spider-Man a hero. And so this story is both that, but also sort of jumping back in time to seeing Jay Jonah kind of becoming the editor of the Daily Bugle, the, the blowhard yeah. we meet in the beginning of Amazing Spider-Man. It's a lost style flashback into J. Yes. Jonah's life. Yeah. Like we have this little adventure going on in modern time of this issue, but then we keep flashing back to see J. Jonah Jameson gr- becoming the man we know. Right. Um, now I'm going to say before we get into it, showing J. Jonah Jameson's nice side is Kevin Hines's kryptonite. I know I'm mixing superhero metaphors here. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's what my I- Spider-Man night. <laughs> it's your the moonstone that <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson's son has around his neck that, that turns, turns him into man, man wolf, wolf. I guess I don't know, but it's like um, um, it's his, it's my Chip Zartsky, sort of that scumbag. How do we evolve into that? that's our running game? I don't know, um, but um, yeah, he. I like anytime a. I mean, J. I, J. J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah being nice is sort of like when Michael Scott on The Office, The American Office, is shown to be good at his job. Right. Those moments where it's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't make sense if this guy doesn't have some redeemable quality. So every time, like when I would watch, especially the early seasons of The American Office, you'd see Michael Scott, like, make a good sale or, like, just love children and be nice to kids and not just be an idiot ruining things. You'd be like, oh, yeah, there's this is not a terrible person. That's why he's the boss of an office, even though he's ill-equipped to do it. And J. Jonah Jameson is the editor of what in the original comic seems like the most powerful newspaper in the city. He's got to be good at something. He's got to be good at something. <laughs> he can't be just a totally reprehensible. I don't want that to be true anyway. Like, yeah. I want those people to have some quality that helps them get there. I'm a little less vulnerable to that turn because I J. Jonah is so funny when he's just in his obnoxious you know, heel mode. That, I mean, I like, like the big heel too, but I like that being because Spider-Man is his, 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 his kryptonite is Spider-Man yeah. and he becomes his worst version of himself when he deals with Spider-Man. Um, so do we start with Jonah's? The first story is Jonah as like a, a reporter. At, at his college. Yeah, for a school paper. And he's dressed like Peter. Oh yeah, he is dressed a little he's, bit like He's Peter. wearing... The ex- almost the exact same clothes that we see Peter Parker wearing later in this in this timeline. 
I think Jay Jonah's colors are reversed. Like Jonah has a blue sweater vest and a green tie. And I think Peter has a green sweater vest and a blue tie when we first see him. I know it's very, it's, very similar though. Yeah. yeah. Not that one. The, the, um, you, you flashed a teenage Peter Parker. Yeah. You mean modern day Peter? Yeah. When we first see Peter in this issue, there he is. Okay. It's like almost identical. Oh yeah. Very, very similar. Definitely sweater vests, pants, tie. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. J. Jonah is a young Peter Parker. We're learning here. <laughs> so we see we see Jonah as a college kid working for a newspaper, and he's already becoming the Jonah we know. He's got a sensational story where he's like drumming up a story that he doesn't have a ton of evidence for. He thinks he's better than everyone around him. He he thinks the editor of the school paper is an idiot, and that he should be in charge because he knows everything. Right. I also like that in this college paper 30 years ago, there is a David Bowie poster in the background. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, I mean, it's the kind of thing that a college newspaper would have up, especially 30 years ago. And um, and his editor then is a guy named Barney. Yeah. Which figures in later. Yeah. And we cut the present time where Jay Jonas is biking around the city trying to get Peter Parker's attention. He's trying to call Peter on the phone to let him know that uh, the shocker. The shocker is uh, <laughs> fighting somewhere. <laughs> Spider-Man is needed. Yeah. But He's, Peter's not answering his phone. And J.J. Jonas is very frustrated. And then up walks a dude with a computer screen for a head. Yeah, like something out of Saga. Yeah, it looks like one of the bad guys in Saga. Prince whatever the fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget, the, I forget the guy's name. <laughs> um, but uh, Peter's on a date. Yeah, and it is a date here? Yes. This okay. is a, somebody he's been seeing in the spectacular Spider-Man run. She's mm-hmm. a stand-up comic that Peter Parker or Spider-Man meets, and Spider-Man starts dating her as Spider-Man. She doesn't know who he is, <laughs> but Spider-Man's sort of going out and dates with this person, and it's very weird and awkward. Yeah. And what it is, I mean, that story doesn't matter as much as just being like a funny, awkward date that Peter is on. Um. Yeah, so that's I don't I don't quite understand this bit here. Um, so there's a bit where he's, I think Spider Man was supposed to have a date with the Human Torch. Oh, okay, okay. So Spider Man okay. was supposed to be having lunch with the Human Torch, but he forgot about it and went on a date with this woman. Yeah, uh, and so Spider Man is basically cheating on the Human Torch. Yes, <laughs> it's sort of what it is. It's like because uh, Peter says something about like I'm not a player. And then the human torch shows up and goes, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. I didn't know that that's what the human torch looks like now. Uh, yeah. Um, he, the Fantastic Four haven't come back right now, so he's in it and his non-solo Sol- mode. Yeah. He'll be back in the human torch outfit soon. Okay. Uh, written Sarah- by Dan Slott. Oh, and is Sarah Bacelli doing the art for that, I think? I think so, yes. Yeah. And she did a Miles Morales run, I think. She did a run on, yes. Miles so we got Morales two Spider-Man. former spider people coming together to do the Fantastic Four. Yeah. I think Dan Slott's going to do a great he did a great first issue of Iron Man, really fun. I think he's going to do a great issue of Fantastic Four. I'm very excited for both those runs. Love it. Um, okay, so Spidey is not hearing Jonah's calls. That's right. Uh, uh, so Jonah bursts into a radio station and just takes over, commands the airwaves just to order Spider-Man to go handle a bank robbery. Yeah, not, realize, uh, not realizing that the criminal's already been apprehended <laughs> by Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, who's a great character. Read Miss Marvel comics. They're... Ooh, I, f- I read the first two trades, and uh, after having it been recommended to me by, like, all kinds of people, yeah. 
and I loved it. I'll say I'm going to get real particular, but I really love the second trade. The first trade I enjoyed a lot, but I thought it really yeah. – w- once all the pieces were kind of in place. Well, I find Miss Marvel's origin problematic um, in that it, it ties into like the Inhumans – Mm-hmm. Uh, like mm-hmm. some weird mist that's traveling around the city yeah. and that she sort of worships other superheroes. Those two things I don't love about her. Mm-hmm. Though a lot of people love the hero worship aspect of her, but the inhumans aspect, it just sort of complicates her origin. Yeah. And because they were Maybe that's to, what it was, but once it, yeah, the, char- the character is really good and, and like her personality and, and like once, um, the voice of the comic is great. It's been written by one person the whole time. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a real personality and it's really fun. Yeah. And, um, the, the, the first main villain of Ms. Marvel is like the coolest, the inventor, I think he's called. Oh yeah. Something like that. Yeah. He I comes really back. Love him. He's a good one. So, uh, uh okay, anyway, Ms. Marvel has defeated the shocker. So yeah. Jay Jonah's whole, all his stuff is for naught. Yeah. He's been trying to get Spider-Man's attention. Didn't need to. <laughs> yeah. And the radio people, one of the radio guys whose show J. Jonah Jameson just commented, is like, should we get him out of here? And the other guy's like, what, are you kidding? This is great. Yeah, because J. Jonah is publicity machine. also the ex-mayor of the city. <laughs> yeah. He's been mayor of the city and also editor of the most powerful newspaper. And just on television, he was a pundit, too, for a while, <laughs> on like Fox, a Fox News type channel. Yeah, that makes sense. So he's done every, the fact channel, I yeah. believe it was called. So <laughs> J. Jonah is a personality. Love it. So you're going to give him a radio show. So um, now we, we keep cutting back in time. So, you know, we've, we cut 30 years before to see him at his college newspaper. Now we're cutting five years ago. And this is when um, he wins an award. Yeah. And he's rubbing it in the other newspapers faces, like as the head of the bugle. He's being like completely having showing no grace at all in right. winning this award. And one of the people he's crapping on is his old college newspaper editor, Barney Bushkin. Yeah, Barney Bushkin. Yeah. Uh, who I guess works for the – is the editor of The Globe. Which is like the rival. Which is the rival paper because Peter once tried to sell we photos We see that there. guy, right? We see him and he like talked too much and annoyed Peter, I think. Yeah, he asked too many questions. He wanted – he wanted, he really pushed Peter to find out how he got the photos. Yeah. And Peter was like, I can't, I can't go there. Yeah. Because I can't tell him. It's already so obvious how I got them. <laughs> yeah. If anybody bothers to pay attention, my story will be found out. Um, and also the Globe is where Eddie Brock worked. And that's sort of referenced here in this story. Oh, Venom. Eddie Brock was uh, shamed for claiming he knew who the Sin Eater was and he was wrong. Which And Jonah brings up and sort of rubs in his face. It's like, Jonah, you've had way worse stories than that. Yeah, you've been off on way more things. But – the Eddie Brock was fired and shamed and that became Venom, a supervillain. So okay. that's pretty rough too. Okay. Here we say Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson rubbing Barney Bushkin's face in front of a bunch, a bunch of people yeah. that he, that he lost. Yep. Uh, modern time, he catches up with Peter Parker, but just as he catches up with Peter Parker, he gets grabbed by something. Uh, one of the many funny jokes is that J. Jonah Jameson is lecturing Peter about not answering Jonah's phone calls. Yeah. And so he says, like, we're not done here, Parker. You may not realize it, but this great power you have means you have a great – like, it's so funny that he is going to think he came up with yeah, the great power. titular Spider-Man philosophy. Yeah. Uh, and he gets whisked away by some unseen force during that, and it is the – Television-headed robot. <laughs> yes, and it is the modern version of the Spider-Slayer. That's right. Now a Jonah Slayer. This is a Jonah Slayer. Right. Um, so we just went over the Spider Slayer last last episode? Yes. So the last episode of this podcast, we did the first appearance of the Spider Hunter, well, Spider-Man Hunter, well, which would we'll be become the Spider yeah, Slayer. We'll be called Spider Sliders in later time. And this is revealed as a Jonah Slayer. It's the same thing now. Uh, we see Barney's face <laughs> on the monitor, 
and he's grabbed Joan and he's taking him. It's so funny. Yeah. It's such a, I love it when like writers who have like good senses of humor are able to sort of like reclaim ridiculous things. Yeah. In a fun way. Like, okay. The spider slayer is a, a lot of ways, super ridiculous villain. You know, yeah. There's somebody's face on a computer screen that's, that's like right. hunting you with a robot body. It lasted so long. There's so many iterations of the Spider Slayer. Yes. So now here's the Jonah Slayer. So like we get to have the fun of a Spider Slayer, which is like face on the screen and all the robot powers. But we're like admitting we know it's we know there's some ridiculousness. It's very going on. silly, and it's okay because this is a sillier story. Yeah, because it's Jonah's villain. It's yeah. not Spidey's villain. Um, you should be able to do that with like. Any old property within your franchise that you want to reclaim, just sick them on the sidekick. And so, you know, like if the Tinkerer like went after, you Aunt know, May. like Aunt May and Aunt May like totally, you know, defeated the Tinkerer by reporting him to the Better Business Bureau or whatever and getting him like sued or something. Um, that'd be a great story. Yeah, there you go. That can be episode four of your Enforcers TV show. Ooh. <laughs> Still, still looking for people to finance that. Uh, my whole pitch is two episodes ago, I think. <laughs> um, okay, so then we cut to two years before, and we see Barney Bushkin. The Globe is going out of business. Yeah, and he is miserable. You yeah. know, we've seen him be. Def- he was, he was screened up by Jones Jameson in college. He got beaten by him for an award, and now his whole paper's going under. And he finds out that the mayor, J. Jonah Jameson, <laughs> is bailing out the bugle. Right. So Jonah is saving his old newspaper, but not the Globe. With public funds. Yeah. I mean, that's criminal. <laughs> I mean, it's also, it does, I mean, it is very criminal because it was his old company, but our president now would do something like that. For oh, sure. sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, and Barney is mad about that. So we see all the reasons why Barney would make a Jonah Slayer. Barney's heavily motivated to make a robot, put his face on the screen, and send it after J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, but Spider-Man has come to save Jonah from the Jonah Slayer. <laughs> uh, and there's so many funny jokes that um, Spider-Man says. Uh, like Barney as the, you know, from within the robot body is, you know, getting, accusing Jonah and Spidey of being friends just for their own, like, mutual yeah. success, not like being real friends. And um, one of the things he says as Spidey tries to rescue Jameson but misses, uh, the Jonas Slayer slash Barney goes, careful, Spider. You don't want to harm your biggest client, meaning, yeah, like, yeah. you know, all this guy is is to your client. And Spidey's response is like, I'm hurt that you thought I could make money or something like that. Yeah, where's that line? It's uh, back two pages. I missed it. Uh, what's with the biggest client idea? I'm hurt that you think I could make money. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a thing to be insulted. Yeah, it's yeah. so funny. You've gained some metal weight is something he says about Barney. Um, um, but this is a well-equipped robot and it like encases Spidey's hands in some sort of like metal traps, which by the way is a great idea. Why doesn't every villain have some of these? Yeah. Because you take Spidey's fists out of it. You got him like half beat. Yeah. I mean, he can't stick. He can't Craven shoot did that with that um, magnet. Uh, yeah. Those, those wrist magnets. Which he never used again. Those seem very. Those work great. Those work great. Just use those again. Yeah. Spidey's easy to beat. So, um, but Spidey figures out a way around these various things and, um, but he, but he's, but he's distracted. And so the Jonah Slayer gets, um, holds J. Jonah Jameson over the edge of a building, threatening to drop him. 
Right. And then Barney comes out with a gun, with a gun and puts the gun up to Jonah's head. Um, and we cut back, cut back to two years ago, right after he'd found out that the mayor, J. Jonah Jameson, was bailing out the bugle and not the globe. Yeah. And Barney is at a bar getting drunk and he meets Arcade. <laughs> and Arcade is an old X-Men villain. Yeah. Um, who creates elaborate death traps. Okay. Uh, like big giant pinball machines that will kill you and things <laughs> like that. Uh, and He's just hanging out in a bar with I Barney Bushkin. So, yeah. And um, Barney's making a deal with him, but he doesn't. He says he doesn't want to kill Jonah. He just wants to scare him. And that's news to us because from what we just saw, it looked like he was about to kill him. He's got a gun to his head while he dangles over the side of a building. Yeah. So we cut back and he's sprayed with ink, which uh, is what Jonah – did to Barney in the very first uh, in the, moment, col- in the college, college newspaper, newspaper sequence. Yeah. yeah, so he sprays ink on him. The robot pulls him back from the edge. Spidey, too late to make a difference, knocks the robot over. Yeah, but Jonah's already safe because the robot yeah. was never going to kill Jonah. Right. Barney just wanted to make him feel scared. He, yeah. And then Jonah realizes that his life was never in danger. Barney like confesses, and then Jonah's like moved. Yeah, uh, Jonah offers him a job because Jonah's been offered a job <laughs> as a new radio. So he got offered a job just earlier this afternoon while he was running around. And he's That's already right. hiring somebody else at yeah. that company. That's right. Jonah's already been given his own radio show. So he's hiring Barney <laughs> to be his producer. He's like Roseanne Barr. He's just sort of like given a property and immediately starts throwing his weight around. Uh, it's also funny because Jonah makes a comment of like, who cares about you being a Jonah Slayer? If I can stand next to this guy pointing at Spider-Man after everything he's done to me. <laughs> Spider-Man, so funny. Spider-Man goes, you literally sent Spider-Slayers after me and not to squirt me with ink. The impressive thing is me standing here with you. How do you not? Yeah, Spider-Man so, is so indignant. Jonah just doesn't even listen. Yeah, J. Jonah continues to try to soothe Barney. Spidey continues to web up the robot. We see him saying in like little letters, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That got an LOL from me. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man is frustrated. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jonah has this moment where he's just basically like, I get that you're not used to getting help from me. I understand that. But I'm trying to help you. It's like sort of a nice moment there between the two of them. Yeah, they have kind of, they have kind of a they, – they bury the, the very small hatchet they had yeah. just built up. It's like, hey, look, okay, yeah, I screwed up. You, you know, I'm trying to be nice. It's weird. And, and I'm not used to accepting your help, so you've got to give me some leeway. And Jonah's like, I get it. And then we cut back to 12 years ago. Into early Spider-Man times, the very times that we are covering in our podcast. That's right. And Peter has just sold his first photos to J. Jonah Jameson. Yes, and uh, he's all excited. He's got some money. We know at this time in Spidey's life, he's super broke. So, like, and this money means a big deal. Peter's, like, leaving the office going, I'm going to blow your socks off with my next batch of picks. And now we see um, Robbie Robertson talk to J. Jonah Jameson, and they're looking at Peter, who's now in the next room, so Peter can't hear them. Yeah, and Robbie's like, this kid, what is he, 15, 16? (laughs) Yeah. Which is true. I know you like his pictures, but they're amateur hour. The photo department isn't too pleased. Did you contact his parents at least? Do, do a check on him? Like, who is this kid, basically? Yeah. And then uh, J.J. Jonas says something that um, is very different than what the old school Jonah would say. The original version of Jonah. Right. The, the, the comics we're reading, this line would never happen. He's a, he's a 
buffoon sort of on purpose. Uh, but he goes, I'm not an idiot, Robbie. Of course I did. And if the picture aren't up to snuff, we won't buy them. The kid just the kid just needs some help. And in between that, we see on his computer monitor, he's seeing the article, uh, the headline of a newspaper that says, Home Invasion Turns to Murder, Queens resident Benjamin Parker gunned down in robbery gone wrong. So he basically knows Peter's story, and that's sort of why he's kind of giving this helping hand. Yeah, it does It does give a nice motivation as to why he puts up with a teenager. Yeah. Good picks or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it really softens him. Yeah, it also sort of shows like why he would always go to Peter first, even in those early stories. Like Peter brought in a couple of photos, but you still think he would trust his staff, photographers. Yes, professional people. Before the 16-year-old I mean, kid. We we needed Jonah to turn to Peter because it like is what a lot of stories revolve around yeah. that. But like this kind of gives a nice realistic motivation. Yep. And it makes Jonah seem like a good guy a little bit. It's the Kevin Hines kryptonite, the J. Jonah Jameson nice guy. Yeah. So it's a fun little story. Yeah. It's really it's really fun. Um the you know, I flashing. take back what I said about Chip Zarsky. I think he's a good guy. <laughs> um, yes, the running gag that was born for no reason in this podcast only yeah, is a, now over. <laughs> it's not over. I no longer think it. <laughs> um, it. Yeah, it's a really sweet story. So now here's my challenge to you. Before okay. we started this podcast, I told Kevin I had a challenge for him. But so you didn't tell me what the challenge was. This is a challenge. Are there truly great Spider-Man stories that don't sort of like involve having been invested in the characters a super like how, how do I put this are there super great Spider-Man stories in the modern era and I'm going to count the modern era post Ramita okay so Ditko That's and Ramita okay. are the original era anything after that so you can't count the Gwen Stacy oh Gwen Stacy is post Ramita yep yeah, it's uh, Conway okay so you can count that but it's got to be something where it's like not the like flipping of an existing character you know it's always like the death of someone who wasn't supposed to die the redemption of someone who wasn't supposed to be redeemed the corruption of someone who wasn't supposed to be corrupted it always like to me sure are there stories that stand alone so the dance lot one's a pretty good candidate actually Mm -hmm. because it it although not really because it's like it requires you to know the uncle ben story yeah well, the Mark Wade story I made you read is pretty great. I don't think it relies on Jano. It's got it's got a, a Jameson turn in it. It's got the Kevin Hines kryptonite, but it's Jameson's father. Jo- Jonah is not really a part of that story. But it's interesting that we see the father of this. Yeah, but I don't think he impacts that story at all. He's not what makes that story great. Okay, if that's true, then I, I don't. I like. I think if you took Jay Jonah Senior out of that, it's uh, like it loses a little bit of the fun. What's the, what's the title of it? Because I know that I said the title was bad. Like, um, on something unscheduled bad. Stop. Unscheduled Stop, right. Or as it should be called, Lucky Day or something. I mean, Mark Wade, again, we're not talking about that issue right now. But when we do, and Will talks about how that should be the title, that's going to get out, and your career's over, Mark. Mark Wade. Wade's career is going to be over when I talk about how bad that title is. Of, it's a, a, of a great story. Of a great story. Mark well Wade written. has written an incredible writer. Of so many good stories. But that title. Mark Wade should work in the industry for as long as he wants. But except he won't. that title and my... Tearing a part of it will ruin it. Yeah. Uh, but, um, and I love that story. So, uh, great, great, but that would, I mean, I don't know if you, if you're looking for like classic stories, I don't know yeah, if that would be a something classic. Like, like, cause I think this is sort of like a, a problem of like a lot of modern superhero stories is it requires you to already have bought in hard 
to really get into yeah. the big episode. But maybe this is always true in episodic narratives. Like, you know, big episodes of television are, are moving because you know the characters so well. Um, it's weird. I can think of two Superman things that I really love. Okay. But I don't think uh, are twists on that. Like, they sort of have to just be a great short story in and of themselves. That Flash story you like, I think, probably does it. Yeah. Uh, nobody, uh, nobody, nobody dies. dies. Yeah. That's one of my favorite stories. William Messner Loeb's stories where the Flash is in an airplane and somebody falls out and he's like, nobody dies on my watch or whatever. And he's like, he doesn't say on my watch, but. The story starts with him like saving people and just keeps saving people like through a couple, like there's a wild gunman or something like that. And he just tells the police, nobody dies. Because he's cocky. Yeah. He's the Flash. He's the fastest person on the planet. Right. If he's there, you're safe. Yeah. And then he's taking a plane ride somewhere. Someone blows a hole in the plane. Someone gets sucked out and he's like, oh, they're dead. I can't fly. Yeah. And so then he jumps out of the plane to jumps try to out save. Of the plane and the rest of the issue is him trying to figure out a way yeah, to save yeah. somebody when he can't fly. That that one is a great story, yeah. and it doesn't really require you to, to be invested in the narrative. I, I, just like okay, Spidey's origin story is so good. Yeah. Um, but like a lot of the great Spidey stories are sort of like they're just playing with it again and again. I mean, even the Master Planner saga that we love so much. Sure. One of the main reasons it's so great, it is an awesome bookend to the origin. But it's a tough thing because so much of what drive the main thing driving Spider-Man is to never let another Uncle Ben happen. If you take that away, if that's not an option yeah. to have a great Spider-Man story, it's tough to have a great Spider-Man story. Yes, it definitely is hard. But, like, there's just been so many. and But this isn't just related to Spider-Man. Like, for example, when Watchmen came out, right, mm-hmm. in the mid-'80s, you know, and everyone was like you know, understandably freaking out. Wow. What a great, what an amazing feat. The story is, you know, multiple layers of narrative and the, a level of uh, intelligence and in the dialogue that we're not used to and, and, and sort of weirdly using politics and stuff. God, it just feels complicated in a way. And the characters themselves are interesting. They were all original characters, albeit visually inspired by Ditko characters, but you know, pretty reinvented mm-hmm. by yeah. more in uh, Gibson to Watchmen, right? Watchmen's great. But like, Watchmen, one of the main reasons it's great is it is doing a weird flip on super teams. You kind of have to know the tropes Mm -hmm. of your fresh-faced Justice League to find the original Watchmen ironic. And you have to – you kind of have to – kind of know the modern gritty heroes to find the modern watch. You you know what I mean? I wonder if it's easier to do these sorts of – classic stories that aren't these sort of twist things with the DC characters that are more archetypes and less human. Mm. Because like I said, like I think of that one page from Oscar Superman where Superman saves the suicide, the person is going to jump. I forgot about this. There's this one page where someone's going to jump. It's my favorite Superman page. Many people's probably just like this sort of goth girl. And she's standing on like a ledge and she's getting ready to jump. And Superman just lands next to her and goes, you're stronger than you think you are. Mm. And she hugs him. And that's it. That's the whole page. And it's just like, ooh, it's a really powerful page. Ooh, All-Star Superman is so good. Um, and then there was a uh, – Kurt Busick did a Superman story. It's really a Lois Lane story, but it's about Superman. Um, it's his anniversary with Lois, but they don't say specify what kind of anniversary. It's his anniversary of a special moment. He's got to get home to see Lois. But he's sort of on the outs with Perry White. He has to uh, do all these sort of – boring jobs at the newspaper to kind of get back in the good graces to get like a good story. Yeah. So, so Perry White's going to like do these 10 boring things and I'll let you 
back in my good graces, but he's also Superman. So he's out like saving the world. Yeah. He's trying to do both those things at the same time. He's like listening in on like a city council meeting. He's supposed to be watching and he's missing <laughs> half of it. And he's doing all these things and he gets home at the end of the night and he's late. He misses his anniversary and he gets home. And he's like, and I didn't even get all the stories. He's like, I got like two thirds of them and I didn't get them on time. I blew it. Yeah. I couldn't save the world and do my job. And he walks in and Lois is there and Lois isn't mad. She's done all his stories for him. Mm. She did his work for him. And she says, like, I made a bunch of typos that'll look like your work. <laughs> um, so, so Clark will get the big story he wants. And it's the anniversary of the first time he took Lois flying. Ah. And they go flying. Who wrote that? Kurt Busiek. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was just like a great little story. I'm like, well, yeah, that's Superman. That's Lois Lane. That's the Mary. He snuck an Astro City story in there, kind of. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was great. But it's also like an Astro City story that wouldn't work without like it being Lois Lane. I know. Yeah. It's just, but so you're sort of saying like, take out the character. <laughs> I know, but it's just like, I'm not articulating it well, but it's like the big milestone stories always seem to be almost a meta story on the mythology itself. Well, I mean, we, I talked about making you read this for the classics, but the Spider-Man versus the Juggernaut story. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, a, that's a great a, one. Yep. Um, yep. For Spider-Man, but I don't know if that's held up as high as the ones that are all held up for Spider-Man always have someone dying. I mean, we're 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 going to wrap up in a in a second here, but uh, I mean, we're 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 doing fine on time. But and somebody, I'm, in fact, emailed me or, or Instagram messaged me and said, "You got to do the Juggernaut story." I'm like, "That's on our list. Maybe we'll get to it." Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one we've considered because it's a great, it's great. I just reread it recently. It's two issues. It's great. Um, I I agree. I love the Juggernaut story, but um. I was actually, so, you know, my, two of my favorite comics guys are the Hernandez brothers. I've heard of them. Even though I have stopped reading Love and Rockets as a, Oof. as a, to be kind to myself. I just can't keep up anymore. It's overwhelmed me after all these years. But, like two issues a year. I know, but I'm, I'm not going to buy them. <laughs> and, um, well, yeah, but then Gilbert would do like four weird miniseries for like some comic book company where it's like the zombies versus, you know, the Ramones or something <laughs> like that. And, um, like, I mean, I mean like literal flesh eating zombies versus the punk rock band, the sure, Ramones. Sure. But it just feels like you get, get just Love and Rockets and not everything they do. It's all or nothing for me. <laughs> all right. But the Comics Journal did some interview with them, I don't know, at some point. They did many. But they did one where they asked them their favorite comic stories. And, you know, Jaime and Gilbert are brothers. They grew up together reading comics, much like you and me. So a lot of their lists overlapped because not totally – and the ones that really overlap are the ones they read as kids. Like they had favorite ones from their mm -hmm. childhood. One of them was The Long Walk, uh, a little Archie story oh, think, that they yeah. both loved. And I think it's. I think it's, you made me read that because. Yeah, well, good. I got really intrigued. I was like, why is little Archie going to be on somebody's. This is on a top 10 list. Yeah. And it was great. And um, it was really surprisingly good. Snuck into this kid's comic. But then the other one that was on both of their lists was The Death of Superman. But it wasn't the. 1990 death of Superman. Sure. It was like a 1962 story, probably like, you know, some kind of imaginary mm -hmm. tale, something that wasn't in continuity, but I think it was like their number one. And I was like, Oh yeah, they were kids. A death story came out. It like, you know, Superman dying, like blew them away. And still as adults, they're like, Oh yeah, that was one of the best stories ever. And it's kind of like, those, those are always the ones, yeah, the ones that sort of invert the myth or something. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be the most memorable. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're the best stories. Always. It's like how many times has Spider-Man revealed his identity to somebody and it's been played as like a huge moment. I mean, it yeah. works. 
But I mean, I don't think like the Gwen Stacy's death, when I read that, I'm like, oh, this is clearly momentous. It'd be crazy if I was reading comics and that they would do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But beyond that, the story is just another Green Goblin fight. Beyond, if you took that part out. With, an, with a crazy twist ending. Yeah, yeah. With a very Not dark, twist, with like a dark a, yeah, just turn. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, so, okay, you've answered my challenge pretty well. Okay. But it's something I, I'm, I'm always interested to hear that. A great story that is sort of, can also be an entry point. Um, yeah. Okay, that's my... Yeah, I think that's tough to do. Yep. Like, I think Batman Year One is a great entryway for Batman, but mm. it is his origin. Yeah, they redo his origin. Well, it's after his origin, but it's playing on... It's playing. On like, oh, you because here's Catwoman for the first time. Not, nothing's happened yet. He ha- He's not really... Ba- he's not. He hasn't worn the costume yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, whew, what a good one. But I lend that to people and they're like, oh, I want something else like this. And I'm like, oh, that's it. Yeah. That's the only one that's this good. Yeah. Man, that's a great one. Um, all right. Well, um, two instant classics, guys. So we, we love both these. We, we think uh, they're both awesome. Yeah. 801 in particular, we think is going to go right in the pantheon. And uh, that J. Jonah Jameson one is also a terrific, terrific story. Yeah. And uh, we, It's really fun. It's funny, fun. And well, just a little bit of heart. Just the right amount of heart. Yep. Not too schmaltzy. Uh, I don't think either of them is too schmaltzy. They both hit me. No, they're they're not. They're they not both hit me. They both got me. I was like, ooh. I told my wife both stories and she doesn't care, but she listens to me and she uh, says, oh, those sound good. <laughs> you heard it here first. I, I had to Kevin's share them with somebody immediately. Endorses them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they are the kind of stories you want to tell say. Tell somebody right when yeah. I read them. They're, they're great. Uh, okay, so next episode we'll be back to the Ditko issues. Yeah, and I think we're on issue 26. Yeah, 26. The Man of the Crime, Crime Master's sure. Mask. And we'll have our segments back. We'll have like, um, if we have any reader mail, we'll read it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so uh, screw it, Spidey. Oh, yeah, re- send us a letter. Screw it, Spidey at Gmail. Uh, who will be the first female to send us an email? That hasn't happened yet. We'd nope. be curious. But it will, and from anybody who's got any thoughts on Spidey or any characters or anything we're talking about, if you've read these issues, we definitely want to hear from you. Please yeah. let us know. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, both Screw It Spidey on both those social media platforms. Um, yeah. And um, we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. TMZ E MTV Refinery29 What do all these companies have in common? They bring you celebrity news and they didn't hire me. You know I had to do it to them. That's what I bring to you Extra Extra on Campfire Media Podcasting Network. Extra Extra is a hot buffet of all the delicious celebrity news and gossip you want and need. According to me, because my opinion is the only one that matters, obviously tune in every Tuesday as my guests and I share our unwanted and unfiltered opinions on all your favorite celebs. No celeb is safe. I'm looking at you, Mila Kunis. Listen now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Campfire.